0: Hello, this is Ben Obamani, and this is the Chapters Cast. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Chapters Cast. Kenneth O'Pell's Firewing, Episode 4, Chapter 4 A Crack in the Sky. Inside Treehaven. Griffin watched as they placed Luna on a soft bed of mattress. With their noses they gently nudged her wounded wings, his mother among the helpers and was his as was his grandmother Ariel. In the niches carved bark was small mounds of different berries and dried up leaves and stripped up Bark. Ariel looked at these things, took some of these things into her mouth, chewing, not swallowing, and then dri- then she roosted over. Luna proceeded to drizzle the potion from her mouth onto the patches of raw, burned skin. Luna was shivering. She was she shivering. Why was she shivering? Griffin uh, wondered. Why... When she'd be on fire... She'd say... She said nothing, not a sound. Until... The straight-ahead eyes were unblinking. She didn't want to be... Want to look like herself. It was as if things... Made her Luna go away and was in a deep hiding somewhere. She glanced through, she glanced right through things. Maybe she was concentrating, using all her energy to get better. Griffin always found Treehaven immensely comforting. He loved the reassuring thickness of its great trunk and the geography and craggy of gray bark, but just nodded and gouged with valleys deep enough to hide him. Most of all, he loved the inside, Hollowed out by s- the silver wings, is in this s- series of interconnected roots radiating from the trunk, larger branch into larger branches all the way up to the elders' roots at the summit. At sunset, at sunset the entire colony was burst through the central. Not hole into the night with the sound of of a torrential fire river. It was his favorite time of all, was the sunrise when everyone would return from the night hunting, find their roost, and talk about climbing the dust and grit, combing the dust and grit from their fur, licking their wings clean. Then all the mothers and the newborn, roosting snugly side by side, would sleep. But now he looked at Luna and he felt only shame and dread. No one had spoken to him yet. There hadn't been time at, in the forest. All the grown-ups had arrived. His mother looked at him anxiously for a moment. You sh- you're right. When he nodded numbly, she returned to Luna, helping carry her to the tree haven, up to the healer's roost. Griffin followed at a distance. As they flown through the trunk in silence, the silence was suffocating. Everyone seemed to know what had happened. He tried not to look at hundreds of horrified bats as they passed. He didn't want to look or be looked at, he didn't want them to see what he had done. Now the other mothers were taking turns blending in the leaves. Blending leaves and berries in their mouths. Mulching them into thick liquid. And spraying them over Luna's wounds. Watching this made Griffin feel helpful. He wished they'd work even faster. Cover all of Luna's angry welts and burns with dark urgent to cover her pain up take it away what at last when they finished his mother flew up to the roof griffin what happened she she whispered he He childishly hoped that this moment would never come. His voice shook as he spoke. We saw some humans in the forest. They had a fire. We thought we should take some. I thought the fire on a stick of grass and flying with it, but it started burning me. I dropped it onto Luna by accident. He had a choke. His last words, out the last words, he was sobbing so hard. He wanted her to be furious with him. He wanted, he deserved it. He hoped she would shout and punish him. When all things were over, somehow things would be better. Things would be fixed. But his mother looked at him far from anger. And was still mournful. Griffin was frightened that he w- had than he ever had in his life. You fool, you foolish, foolish children," she said softly. Griffin could barely hear her. I didn't mean to, he said. I know she was underneath me. I was scared I was going to get burned. I tried to help put out the flames, but they wouldn't go away. She wrapped her rings around him and held them tightly in, and Griffin knew what to think. She started holding him. This was his fault, he said, darted a breath, wishing he could vanish. You're so lucky, it could have his mother cut off short. Why could you let them talk you into that? He said nothing, feelings as all the air was being squeezed out of his lungs. He had to tell her it was my idea, he winced. She looked at him stunned. Why? She managed to ask. He couldn't look at her as he spoke. And so we took, half to come to the owls. Have to, we could have some come to the owls. I thought maybe if we could stay warm in the winter, we could stay here without having to migrate. And maybe my father would think I had some courage, he thought, but didn't think this, didn't say this. His mother shut her eyes tight as though not trusting herself to speak. What, when she did, anger flickered through her voice. Griffin, we don't want fire. We don't need it. The only use is for war. We couldn't keep it inside, and it would set the tree on fire. Even if it didn't, we would have nothing to eat through the winter. We'd starve. He, was, he nodded. It was a really bad idea. He said, I'm sorry. You should have come and told us the moment you saw the humans. You're sensitive. You're sensible, Griffin. Griffin. Even the others aren't you shouldn't should have known better. I don't know what you're what you were thinking stealing fire you would only be thought a bit You'd be only thought a bit her she left let her voice trail off as if unable to summon any more energy her Eyes drifted back to Luna and Roma, her mother, nuzzling her gently, talking to her quietly. Luna wasn't saying anything back. Will she get better, Griffin asked his mother. I don't know, she paused. Maybe never. What do you mean? He felt a panic move through him like a crazed June bug, wings slashing the air, slamming itself everywhere did his mother luna mean luna maybe disabled her whole life that she'd never fly again she might die griffin he frowned not understanding shaking his head but you know spreading potions you are spreading potions the elders know how to fix things like this right she's badly hurt the fur around her eyes, mad with tears. This was all his doing. Griffin knew she was ashamed of him now. He disappeared. He disappointed her so badly now. How could he? Ever, she ever love him again? How could... What would his father say? What can I do, he said, his voice sounding unfamiliar to him. Thin breath and breathless. He wanted his mother to tell him something, to do something hard or painful. Anything to be better than just frozen with his feelings. There is nothing we can do. His mother said, we just have to wait. He looked around this place he loved so much his whole life. Felt like he had no right to be here. All the other mothers were looking at him, hating him. He was sure Luna's mother. She would hate him the most of all and forever. The tree seemed to echo... With his shame and grief, he couldn't stand it. Griffin flew down, down away from the helos' roost, all the way down to the trunk of Tree Haven's base, where a myriad of passageways into the ground almost the maples' root. He didn't know where he was going to go, didn't care. He just didn't. He wanted to go down, down, far away from everything. The thoughts came with him. Shut up, he screamed. The tunnel was narrowing. He was glad when it scraped his face and back with grit and dirt, driven up his nostrils and against his teeth. He clawed his way Until the passage was blocked by a large slab of stone. It was uh, totally dark. He shut his eyes. And his mouth. Letting no sound light. From the world. From him. He could only make his mind this dark. Stop seeing Luna's burning wings. Spinning earth wet. Ward stop hurting hearing the scream she made of she made of, she fell unless the wind tunnel against them Shade knew they'd make tree haven before sun sunrise. He had chosen he had been chosen as one of the five messengers. Maybe Chief Elder had sensed just by looking at his eyes that he was was going to whether chosen or not. Still, it had taken shade, completely surprised that he couldn't stop smiling. Orion had probably thought it was better to have him part of the group where the others could keep an eye on him than him flapping off on his own. They set immediately around him flew the four other silverwing males, Cyrus, Literus, Ural, and Vikram. They were faster than him. They knew it. And so did he, but he knew he was slowing them down better than steering, striking on ahead, circling impatiently for him. Once in a while they let him set pace and never showed any signs of restlessness. Shade was grateful he had had known them practically. He hadn't knowing them practically well as Stonehold. None of the big none of them were big talkers. He enjoyed the company when they talked. But it was but it was remember Three Haven rem, wondered about their mates and their newborns. Trade stories when they were themselves young. curious and Laterus would awkwardly ask him questions about the jungle or Goth or the vampirium sectum or the rat kingdoms. Shade had told him stories enough times that they hardly seen things that actually happened to him. Still, he liked telling them never got tired of the stunned amazement on their faces of his listeners. the weather had been so warm the winds fair he almost that he almost was able to forget the fears and it urged him on his journey. the earthquake hissing crack in the earth and the horrible presence he Sense down there. When Shade departed nights ago, Chinook and his father were busily assembling a team of males to go block the opening. He said goodbye to his father. Shade felt a particular chatter cluttering in his heart. He knew he'd be in a matter of nights, but he'd still like leaving his father. He didn't like leaving his father especially when it was not so long ago they just met. Casil had told him to have a safe trip and that he loved them. Soaring over the dense forest, Shade's pulse quickened as he recognized familiar landmarks that told him Tree Haven was near. A few hours ago, they had passed the derelict barn where he and his colony had roosted. And on his very mi- first migration now, the human roads faded into the deep forest, winding rivers. The skies began to brighten in the east. The sparse bird song they heard hardening the pass for the past hour. Building into the dawn chorus. Shade's thoughts. Let ahead his arrival. His fast ride down into the valley. Over the pines and firs. Down into the valley. Skimming over pines and firs and hardwoods over the silver maple they had chosen for their new true true tree haven. Once they had crossed the next ridge, they had almost met some of these silver wings out hunting. Maybe he'd cro- cross paths with his mother or Marina or even his son. He wondered if he would recognize Griffin. Listen, he said, suddenly. There was no, nothing like listening to, no frogs, no crickets, no chirping, not even the sound of an insect's wings. For a moment, the light breeze evaporated and the air thickened in enormously into a foreshoding lightning storm. Yet the sky overhead was clearly, was entirely clear. The air began to sing low tone that he felt every hair in his body. The tone gathered forth, buffeting upside, underside his wings, numbing his face. Without warning the trees, heaved up towards them, speaking spiking branches impaling at uh, him as he veered wildly, flapping desperately against the laden air. He cast his uh, not anxious he cast around anxiously to make sure Curtis and the others were all right. They all circled together. Gazing down in horror. Before he saw the earth heave and grind. Whole swaths of forest buckling up. And churning against one another. He flattened his ears against colossal noise. as if the earth's very bones were being smashed together. It snapped and crushed his air, and the air turned hard as water, shades flew about, but as if he had, were no more than a seed pod. The sky was a swirl of birds. Awoken by the earth's violent shaking, they taken a wing in terror. The poor night vision making them scream dangerously. One on the lurching forest floor. Shade could see the mouths of bears and lynx baying and roaring as they headlong, ran headlong, trying to escape the thrashing of the ground beneath them. The sight made him gasp with pity. Unlike himself, they had no easy escape, no flinging themselves safe high into the air. They were locked onto the earth, their home that it had been the second they became their enemy. The river that meant meaning that meaning through the forest crossing water leaping over its banks dust erupted in across the land then immediately o- it was over. With a great groan of the rock and wood the earth slowly exhaled and lay still, shrieks of pain, dismay rose up from the birds and beasts. They returned their ruin to the ruined roots and dens as they and Shade stared down at the wreckage of the fortress. His mouth dry, heart throbbing against his ribs. Marina, he thought. Griffin. Griffin must have fallen asleep. Waking, there was a merciful sounds. When everything waking, there were merciful sounds when everything was forgotten. He wondered where he was. But his body fell, why his body felt so heavy and as if he just finished the night's hunting. Then everything came back to him. He wished he'd never been woken up. Up in Tree Haven, Luna was suffering, maybe even dying because of his idea. His stupid, pointless idea. He winged Ray. He waged his head, trying to shake out pictures of the flooding in his head. He should have, he should go back up now and help them do something useful. But how could they face them all, their eyes on them, hating him? Especially his mother. She was would try to be kind and try to forgive him, but how could she after what he'd done? He tried not to cry. Mm. And he stopped abruptly. What he thought his body was shaking was actually the ground beneath his belly. Shuddering intensified, so his vision sang with sound. The very air throbbing with light. The tunnel was so tight... It took him a moment to turn around, scrambling forward, spraying out sound. He heard low-grinding rock against rock and suddenly shoved hard against the wall as as if a great fist of stone punched through the tunnel ahead of him. Griffin lurched back, cowering beneath his wings and choking cascades of debris rained down upon him the earth shook violently for a moment and then was still griffin one waited listened for a patter of settling grit okay he panted trying to rule his in his panic okay no more shaking that's good that's excellent He lifted his wing to take a a look, and was immediately seized by a coughing fit. Eyes, nostrils streaming. After a minute, he managed to croak out a few trundles of sound, and saw what he could most feared: the passage was blocked. Carefully, he probed the walls for debris that he, with his echo, do. ...vision... ...he stared at a few minutes... ...numbed... ...and still half expecting something to happen... ...the wall... ...crumbled away... ...revealing a passage... ...or someone to call him... ...from the other side... ...alright... ...he said... ...needing to talk... ...talking out loud... ...made things better... ...somehow... ...if he can control this... ...his words... Maybe he'd control other things too. What would what we have here in a cave kind of si- cave and kind of situation? Perfectly straightforward. Earthquakes just shook, loose a bunch of rock and dirt, and dumped it in, dumped it here in my tunnel. So all I need to do is um move some of that rock and dirt and I can squeeze by. That's really sums it up. Let's just do that. He scuttled towards the wall of debris, crawling at at it, clawing at it, batting butting it with his head and shoulders. He managed to dislodge some of the smaller bits of rubble. But mostly churned up dust. His, he priced out a larger rock, an tumor, throughout the wall. The roof of the tunnel wobbled and sent down a meteor shower of dirt. Not too good, he man, muttered, taking little strips of to, air to avoid coughing. I think I'm digging. I might be triggering another cave, and I don't. If I don't dig, I don't get out. So, if we have a little bit of. So, we got a bit of a dilemma here. But I just sit around. Another earthquake might bury me, and anyway, I have no idea how much there is left down here. Words no longer helping, he started gasping and panicking, squeezing his, l- panics, squeezing his lungs. He couldn't stave off the terrible truth any longer. He was trapped, and there was nothing he could do about it. There was no one even, he, no one knew he was even here. Help, he cried hoarsely. Help. But by now, the fear in his voice just upset him even more, and he stopped. He tried to calm his breathing. He would think of something. He felt cold, very cold, especially his tail and legs, and then realized there was a gentle breeze nudging past him. With difficulty, he turned himself around felt his sonic gaze towards a dead end. There wasn't a dead end anymore. What had once been a solid slab of stone was a broad gash, big enough for him to see through. He hurried towards it, sniffing. The breeze wasn't coming from the hole, it was coming into the hole with a faint slushing sound. This is good. Said, Gri- "Wes Griffin, this is really good. A breeze—that m- means air. That means outside. That means we've got an escape of escape kind of situation here." He hurried to the opening, and when he sang out, "Sound!" Returning echoes showed him that the passageway angled down deeper beneath the earth. He did not like that. All the earth and stone above him. There was another quake. He took a look back over his shoulders at the cave in How could he crawl through this, but how long would this take? Another tunnel... Must lead back to the surface. There was a, wasn't a breeze. Nice, fresh little breeze. He asked. He said. Then decided curious, cautiously, squeezing the crack as if the earthquake had effortly opened a long fissure of solid through solid rock. His claws clicked against the stone. The breeze was getting stronger, gently tugging the fur on his face and shoulders. After another minute, he paused. He paused. Troubled that the passageway was still sloping down, he... Go on a little further, and then, as if it angled up, what? Turn back? Return to the cave in? Wait around until the air was sucked out of the tunnel? He su- and he suffocated? Okay, he told himself, air comes from the sky. This has got to be me back to the sky. This would be... A little longer than he thought, but he was far from reassured. Just as a moment his mother had hovered over his mind's eye, he felt like crying. It was fear that stopped his crying—a sudden attack of breathlessness and cry- in. Cramped in a tunnel, deep beneath the earth, he didn't want to. Don't he told himself. Don't even think about it. Hurried in, trying to outrun his terror. At least the breeze was getting stronger now—a steady, low moan, with the occasional sharp, whistling edge, which reminded him of the high winds of the summer storm. Little bits of stone were. uh, skittering across the tunnel, dragged by the wind. Griffin could actually feel it spreading, spedding among whatever thumbs or feet were left on the ground, almost pulling him off balance. For a sickening moment, he thought he'd hit a dead end, and then he, it was just a sharp upward bend in the tunnel. Here we go, he said happily. He hurried up, and there was another sharp turn to the left. The wind wrenched Griffin around the corner, flaring his wings, opened from behind to thrust him headlong down the tunnel. With a cry, he tried to, Furl his wings and dig his rear claws, but the wind was too powerful. His wrists buckled and he fell against the ground, head on his chin. Stunning himself, the wind blasting him along, desperately casting out sound, he saw the slope of the tunnel was slowly but surely curving into sheer, raw, sheer vertical shaft. He is careening hopelessly towards it. The pull was so overwhelming now, his thumbs and rear claws cut furrows of the rock. He- heaving his body on the one side, he managed to lever himself sideways across the tunnel He lasted only a few seconds before the shrieking wind smacked him loose. Now he felt, picking up speed, the stone searing his flesh, no matter whatever he tried to open his wings to slow down, free fall. Down, down, nose over tail, suddenly the stars... Blazing ahead, falling from a hole in the sky. He had been plunging down to, into earth and now he was in the sky, plunging fast. What? Even when he managed to wrench his wings out, he, his speed seemed to scarcely diminish. Gulping up air, he blew himself below himself the entire world like an immense ball of dark stone slowly revolving re- around far away he couldn't believe this he was this high um, almost the level of the stars ascending fast dragged down towards the surface with his wings were weighted wings winds. Screaming at his face he spiraled tight corners and frantically to his frantically clear to his screaming eyes streaming eyes, gradually the world to him began to reveal itself. Unfurled ridges of hills, dark scars of valleys, of rivers or rivers, black smudges of forest. He tried to own to find his own forest, stream, tree haven, but this was a vague landscape unrecognizable. Forest swelled beneath him, so coming to him he in too fast. He used the downward dive of a landing. This was too much desperately spraying out sound. He Tried to pick out a suitable landing site. He pulled back, angling his wings to break. He saw the trees hurling, and then he was among them. Slashed by the tree, leaves and twigs and pines, and grabbing wildly, there might be a break to his fall.